0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DCU Soccer Podcast. Today, I have an interview uh, with someone who I've followed for a while on Twitter, has been like gaining a bunch of followers, and has uh, some cool writing happening. And um, yeah, so uh, can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks for having me on your, on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Sarah Colassi. I'm the DC United beat reporter for MLS Female.
0: Yeah, awesome. We're glad to have you. I think this is going to be uh, really cool and very um, interesting to all of our uh, subscribers. So you mentioned, yeah, you're the DC United uh, reporter for MLS Female. I think maybe one thing that we should talk about first is like, what is uh, MLS Female? Like what's its goals? Um, And what are some of the cool things that are going on there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So MLS Female is an outlet composed of all female journalists writing about MLS, hence MLS female. We get asked a lot if we're writing about women's soccer. Unfortunately, only sometimes with the U.S. women's national team, although I'm sure we'd like to expand that. And what's really great about MLS female, it was born a very short time ago, but our founders, Liz Panucci and Dana Ogorman, were both huge MLS fans, and they really wanted a different perspective on what was going on in mls we have a lot of news we have a lot of match reports but they noticed that there weren't a lot of female voices so they started the outlet to do that and i think so far they're achieving their goal we're still pretty young but moving forward
0: yeah absolutely and um one of the things that i enjoy about following the mls female account is like they get, yeah, it's like they have all the different teams. And so it's kind of easy for me to keep up with different teams or like uh, things that are happening outside of like, maybe my super focused DC United uh, uh, thing as well. So like, if you're looking for something to kind of give you a different perspective, or even like follow some of the other things going on around the league, I think it's a really good um, thing to follow but where can folks find that if they want if they want to check it out
1: so we can be found on twitter at mls female or we also have our website at mlsfemale.com and that's where you can find our match report we're also on instagram at mls female and we love folks to send us in match pics one of our favorite things because Another big element of this is building the community—not just female fans, but also male fans. So please send us your photos, interact with us—we love it.
0: Oh, awesome! I didn't even know about the Instagram, so I'm gonna do that as soon as we get off here. But yeah, awesome. Uh, what are some of the other like um, affiliate accounts or like other reporters that are part of MLS Female that you are like some of your favorites to follow or interact with?
1: So I would definitely recommend that you follow all of the MLS female reporters covering all of the different MLS teams and I'll send a list. You can link that maybe in a tweet or link it with this podcast. But like you said, it's been a wonderful way for me to actually keep up with what's happening around MLS because I'm also usually hyper-focused on DC United. And it's nice to get a different humanizing perspective from my colleagues, from our sisterhood, just like me, they're in the locker room. They're speaking with coaches. They're speaking with players. They're around supporter groups around the community. So I definitely recommend giving them all a follow. They're also really hysterical. We like to banter on Twitter, so please <laughs> follow all of us. You'll have a good time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll for sure link that in the show notes uh, for the podcast as well as on uh, Twitter. Awesome. So. Let's talk a little bit about maybe how you first got into the game of the soccer and like maybe a little bit about how you discovered D.C. United and like how you became a fan originally.
1: So when I was maybe four or five years old, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And my dad was very broken hearted when he told me that I could not do that because I was a girl. And shortly thereafter, the U.S. women's team was playing at the Olympics, and I still remember seeing these incredibly strong, athletic, brave women playing and realizing, hey, you know, there's hope for me as a little girl who would like to play sports. Now, I played soccer for a while, just in school, and I was never very good, but I always really love the game and i love to watch the game i love to analyze it so years and years later as i grew up i had some friends in the dc area who introduced me to dc united i was still active duty military at the time i was in the marines and stationed in north carolina and so when i had come up to visit some friends they introduced me to the team and this was we were still at rfk and i absolutely fell in love With DC United, I fell in love with the atmosphere, with the supporter groups. And even though I ended up being away from the area for a while, when I came back and started living in the DMV, DC United was kind of like, for me at least, a homecoming. Coming back to RFK, that sense of deja vu, that wonderful feeling of community there, and seeing a team that I had loved for a long time, it was a really special thing for me.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I think uh sounds kind of familiar to me. I think the first time I went, I was like, wow, this is like really cool. What is your experience like covering this team that yeah, you said you have you had such a you fell in love with the team. Um like what's your experience covering it?
1: Everyone at DC United, from the staff to the players to the coach, everyone has been really welcoming of me as a reporter, and it's been such an interesting thing to see our players humanized, see our coach humanized. I think that so often when we're watching matches, it's very easy to forget the human element. We see these fantastically talented players, but we don't always see the emotional highs and the emotional lows that they experience and how hard they're working. So it's been a great chance to see that. It's also been a wonderful chance to interact with the DC United community, to interact with our supporter groups, different fans. I love meeting new fans on Twitter and then having nice conversations with them and getting to see them at matches. I've actually made some really great friends that way, some other female fans that just love DC United as much as I do. So it's been a wonderful experience so far.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, You touched a little bit about the kind of reception of DC United. um, uh, I mean, to from DC United towards like you as a reporter. And like, I guess my question would be like, how do you think the reception has been across the league? How has that all gone, uh, gone down and gone through? Like, are people responding positively, stuff like that?
1: So, so far the response has been really positive to the work that my colleagues are doing, the work that I'm doing. People have really embraced us in the MLS community, which is incredible. Sometimes we have to explain (laughs) what we're doing because again, like I said before, people think we're focused on women's soccer. When they see the name, oh, MLS female, do you know, do you report on the women's games? And so we kind of have to bridge that misconception. But I think it's been very positive And most of us felt so incredibly welcomed and able to have real conversations about the sport. And that's something great. People don't see us as oh, you know, you're a girl or you're a woman reporting on soccer, they see you're someone that actually is very invested in the sport.
0: Yeah, that's very awesome to hear. I definitely have seen like, your account and like MLS female accounts really grow in the last, uh, even like few months, just like a lot of people starting to read the stuff, kind of really appreciate the stuff and start sharing it around as well. And so, yeah, you you also recently wrote an ar- article about the strong representation of women in the MLS uh, f- uh, team's fan groups and like uh, fan bases, I guess more like. Uh, what are the, some of the things that you learned while talking to some female fans and what are some things that you think, Uh, MLS and or like the teams need to do to continue the growth of that representation and make sure that the current supporters are listened to.
1: That was one of my favorite articles I've written this season so far. And I was really overwhelmed and humbled by the response of the female fans that either follow MLS female or were referred to me for this article. I just put a tweet out to the community asking for ideas, for quotes, for some time to chat. And the amount of response that I got and the amount of honest insight was incredible. A lot of the fans that I talked to, they were definitely concerned with representation, with choices, with having people respect them as legitimate fans rather than someone tagging along with maybe a husband, a boyfriend, maybe someone bringing their children to the game. There were a lot of women that responded to me that said, you know, I actually go to matches by myself, or I actually got my husband started going to matches because I love this team so much. And that was something incredible to hear because I know it goes on. I have friends. They attend matches solo. I've done it before myself. But just to hear that and hear that they got their significant other into the team that they love so much. Something else, um, we definitely have some issues with merchandise. I still remember one of our respondents, she said, you know, I don't want to be a sexy fan. I just want a shirt that fits. I want something that I can represent my team in and not have a low-cut shirt. A lot of women are asking for women's cut authentic jerseys. And yes, we know they won't be 100% authentic, but we want the options like maybe with DC United, with the button, with the stars for our championships. We want a way to represent the team, but that also respects us as being a little bit different. I think the biggest thing that I could ask for, and a lot of the female fans could ask for, is more representation. If MLS employs more women, if they make women more visible, if they make females and those who identify as female more visible, I think we end up normalizing the presence. And we don't need to continue to have the conversation. It's just going to be something that's normal. And that's really the point we want to get to, right? We're all fans, we're all supporters. we're all people that love the sport,
0: yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely uh read a bunch about the the fact that a lot of the uh, merchandise specifically jerseys are not in like um a cut that would be uh, better for for uh, females and like there's a lot of like, oh, well, it's not authentic. And I think that argument is just not that good because exactly. like, it doesn't really, that's not really the point. And I think part of the hard thing is like, even personally, when uh, my girlfriend, uh, she comes with me to my the games and she is a, a really uh, big fan of the, of the game and also of the team. And she, she's been, she grew up watching soccer. She's from Columbia and like, she's a really big supporter of her national team. And so like when she went to go get a DC United jersey, she was basically, like, wasn't really able to find anything. And the thing that she did find, yeah, didn't have the the stars and didn't have the the, the nice button-down collar type thing. And so she ended up having to buy one of the, like, quote-unquote replica jerseys, which is fine, but it really wasn't, like, it didn't fit 100% well, and, like, it wasn't obviously what I think a lot of people want, which is the the real jerseys. But, yeah, I mean... I think those are great points. And I think also, yeah, like having more people like in the rooms when decisions are being made, I think this should like be a thing at all companies, right? Like the more perspectives you have in a room, the better product you end up making, like less, less potentially problematic stuff you could end up doing and like making people feel worse or like not including them, even in terms of like accessibility and stuff. So I think this is a really big, Thing that I think the league needs to address. But did you, have you seen any signs of the league uh, kind of thinking about these things, doing any initiatives, anything like that?
1: So what was really nice, um, the last article I wrote, we were actually contacted by SeatGeek. They're the ticketing partner of MLS. And they had partnered with MLS on this research study about female fans to kind of also understand a little bit more about what female fans want, where they feel some gaps are. And I think the work is starting. I think it needs to keep going. I know DC United had an all-female broadcast team for a match. So things are happening. I think when we're looking at change, we always want things to happen very quickly. My only other question Concern, and this is something I heard from a lot of other female fans when we were doing this article, is that only focusing on women who are heterosexual or who maybe have families, have children, have husbands, that's also very problematic because we also need to look at our fans who identify as female, who have a different orientation. We need to look at their needs as well. And there are always problematic things. And again, this is where representation and having more people in the room, like you said, will help avoid that. So I think that's important. And I'm sure you've seen the call-up with Susanna Collins and Jillian Sackovitz. And I spoke with someone the other day and they said, you know, this is so special because it's not a soccer show, you know, that's about women it's a soccer show yeah it's produced by women created by women but it is a soccer show and the focus of it is soccer and this is why it's so special so i would encourage everyone to check that out their show is great i will continue to plug them.
0: yeah for sure i mean i think it's incredibly important that we reach a point where yeah like you mentioned there's not you know this type of fan that type of fan. It's just we're all there to support our team, kind of, you know, sing for our team and all that. And we're all just people trying to watch the beautiful game. Did you want to move into talking a little bit more about maybe the uh, DC United season so far?
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Sweet. So my first question is, like, we just kind of got back from the first uh, half of the season and we began our second half. Can you talk a little bit about, like, how you saw the first half and maybe, like, Yeah, like how you thought we were doing or like some things that you think we might want to work on.
1: So we definitely started out this season really, really strong, especially our first match against Atlanta. We came out there, we took down the reigning MLS champ. And I think that was a really positive way to start this season. Now, as we've kind of gone along, we've had a lot of injuries. We've had issues with our left back. This is, I'm pretty sure, our cursed position on the field. And unfortunately, we've also, in recent matches, not had players that are called up to international duty. We don't have Paul Ariolo. We don't have Junior Moreno. Both of them are coming back, which is fantastic, because we need them moving into the second half of the season. But I definitely think as the first half of the season ended and we went toward that break, everyone was getting tired. Performance was a little flat. We had a lot of injuries. I mean, we're still sitting very high up there in the Eastern Conference standings. I think there is a good chance for us to make our playoff run and get a playoff spot. So I'm hoping we get there. I'm hoping we can build our momentum back up, get our players back, get healthy and keep going.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely, yeah, like the Joseph Moore injury and like having a hard time replacing him has been uh, probably one of the bigger Things that have has kind of affected us kind of relatively out of our control. And he's Uh, hurt again.
1: Yeah, I know. By the same Uh, person. By the same person, yeah.
0: That was awesome. I was so upset by that. I was not happy. No. I tend to try to not be too like negative on social media. Um definitely some people are just like, you know, fire everyone, whatever. But like I try to be like, all right, well, you know, but I was so upset when he got hurt by the same person. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, oh, man, I was not happy. I, I really, I'm really not a huge Orlando City fan. That's.
1: I think they're a great team. Um, I do feel bad, though, for Joseph Mora, because it has to be emotionally draining. It has to have an effect on your mental positivity. When you're injured, you come back, you're starting to get back in the groove and then you're injured again. I can't imagine as a player how that must feel. It's got to be awful. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And, like, I, it's not a terrible injury, but, yeah, it's just enough where it's, like, oh, my God, am I ever going to get back? Am I ever going to, like, get it going again? It's Yeah, especially since I think, I, I, I don't know, maybe you have more insight on it, but, like, it feels like the team knows that Mora is a huge part. Like, mm-hmm. when you have, like, uh, talked to the, the players, the coach, do you think that uh, the vibe is very much, like, they know this and they... They're like kind of waiting for him to come back.
1: So he is a huge part. Unfortunately, though, and this is something head coach Ben Olson said the other night, you know, we can't make excuses and someone has to step up. Those were his words in our press conference after that match. And he was saying, you know, we have to have someone else step up. We have to solve the problem. Yes, he's a fantastic player. Yes, we rely on him a lot. But, you know, we have to figure something else out right now. Because excuses are great, but they only get you just so far. You know, you can't tell the other team, oh, well, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it kind of feels like right now that, like, Rooney is definitely kind of <laughs> kind of keeping us afloat a little bit with, like, yeah. these, like, heroics. Like, the 70-yard goal. But
1: That is um, not goal of the week yet. Or goal of the year. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I... So, we, um this morning, I guess yesterday, actually, like, they put up, actually, I guess it was this morning, I don't know, but they put up, like, the the voting for goal of the week, and mm-hmm. almost immediately, Wayne Rooney was at, like, 8%, and I was like, what is going on here? And so, uh, DC had finally tweeted about it, and I think a couple of us tweeted about it, and so it's up to, like, 18%, and, like, but it's still in third place, we're somehow, I, the other goals were good, I think the Atlanta goal was good, but not, like amazing! They amazing.
1: own half goals though, An own half goal hasn't happened in MLS since 2011.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, if you look back to uh, 2018, um, wow, it's already 2019. That's crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> crazy. Um, th- last year, 2018, like the goal of the year was that Zlatan long distance shot, which was like mm-hmm. a great goal, obviously. But I would say this Wayne Rooney goal is better but better than that one by a long like a a decent amount like this this was once in a lifetime type of goal I feel like and it's just kind of mind-boggling how it's not leading the leading the race but yeah I'm
1: totally biased but I definitely agree with you and Wayne is just such a talented player and this is the third time he's done this for the third team he's been with I mean he did this for Manchester he did this for Everton he's an incredible talent. I can't say enough good things. What
0: do you think of the fact that this poll is like <clears throat> fan voted? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end, they, they do, a, as far as I can tell, and what I've been told is that they do a media vote where like, I guess, members of the media have have a say as well. So I don't necessarily know how this will end up. But it seems like for like this kind of stuff and all star voting, what do you think of the fact that so much of it is based on fans and and fan vote?
1: I mean, I think it's okay to base things on the fans. It does increase fan engagement. And if we look at it at the end of the day, I mean, we all know that Wayne's goal was the superior goal here. And we also know the skill that went into it. It is disappointing and disheartening to see it not be ranked as highly as some of the other goals. However, I think if we look at the situation objectively, we all know where the most quality was this week, for sure. So I think you have to look at it that way. And people are loyal to their teams. I mean, that's the other thing, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I think what would be interesting is if if a goal like this was scored on a team that maybe is has a, a lower market than D.C. even. And so it kind of feels like it's possible that a lot of like Maybe like a Columbus type team might get lost in a lot of these votes, even though again they're not doing that well this year. But like, mm-hmm. if something crazy happened in, in some of these teams, maybe those fans feel kind of like eh, whatever, like less engaged to the fans that are already high engaged. But yeah, I don't know. It I th- I feel like the media vote has definitely changed it before, like the outcome. So I don't I necessarily so. know. Yeah, I don't I don't know like the how the math works obviously. Um, I don't think they would tell us that, but but, <laughs> but yeah. So what do you think about uh, the next half of the season? What do you think are some of the things that maybe we're going to be looking for in the transfer market? Have you heard anything, like, even in, in generic terms?
1: So there's been kind of some buzz on the street about perhaps getting someone else with some star power. I'm not sure who else will come in. I definitely think though that we need to solve again the left back issue for sure bringing someone in. I'm maybe less concerned about transfers coming up and more concerned about mental state as we go into the second half of the season and just seeing, you know, players getting disheartened from injuries or from a tough run. I really hope that we're able to bring back a lot of that positive mental energy, because if you look at the feeling from maybe this time last year and the feeling right now, even though we were completely at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, all of a sudden we got this sweep of positive energy when Rooney came in. And so I'm hoping that there's some way we can kind of replicate that because we have such talented players. It's not a case of not having talent. It's not a case of not having skill. But it's that mental energy, that fortitude that I hope we can tap into as the season continues, because that's what's going to make us or break us in the playoffs and getting to the playoffs.
0: Totally. And I think along with that comes like the the team, like I wouldn't necessarily say bonding, but like the, the- mm-hmm. The team being a team I don't I don't necessarily know if that's not the case but like the, I guess the more like you're in the right mental state the, the more things kind of work together as a as a unit as well but yeah one of the things that uh speaking of positive energy I remember in the first half of the season when we got to see Donovan Pines come in and kind of just crush it for a few games
1: he's um, incredible yeah he's that incredible. was amazing
0: <laughs> but yeah so what did you think of like yeah his performances like his future on the team like do you have any uh, thoughts about that?
1: I would love to see more of him. I think he put in a really good showing before the injury and he is back on the bench which is great. He's just he's also such a lovely human being speaking with him. He's one of the most soft-spoken thoughtful people that I've had the chance to interview and I think he does bring a lot. He put in a great showing. I hope we see more of him. I would like to see some of the guys that maybe haven't been getting a lot of minutes get some more.
0: I think a similar, I guess, figure would would be Griffin Yao, um, another young young player. But whenever he's come on the field, I really like that he's like super energetic and does feel like he does is in the right mindset of like I'm out here, like I feel positive, I'm gonna really uh, try and, and help the team.
1: He has that energy, but. Did you notice too? He seems so calm, even with all that energy and like very grounded. Yeah. He's a very yeah. He's a very solid player in that way. He's exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm I, I'm really curious how that how that looks and like yeah like maybe next year or the year after when when maybe he starts to get more uh, first team minutes because it does seem like he's yeah ending up on the bench as well mm-hmm. and so that seems like he's relatively close and I think that's exciting. It's kind of It feels like I don't know how true this is, but it feels like it's been a while since we've had like a like an attacker that feels up and coming and like potentially going to be here for a while and stuff like that. So and and obviously he's he's an academy kid. So I think that's super exciting.
1: Have you had a chance to watch some of his under 17 matches and some of his other play? Because he's just incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, I guess they did that, uh, like the U-17 uh, World World Cup or World Cup mm-hmm. qualifying, or I don't remember, but yeah, he, he did pretty well. He, I think he scored like every game or something. It was kind of <laughs> like, wow. It
1: was insane. Yeah, he's just definitely, he has some skills, and I think once he has a chance to really refine them and keep training with the first team, I think he's going to definitely be one to watch as the years go by.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I was thinking about uh, at the moment, I guess, especially at the moment, is because in almost an hour, the U.S. is going to face England in the uh, Women's World Cup that is happening uh, this month. And so I guess by the time this is out, everyone will know what happened. Um, (laughs) But I think it's also important that, like, I mean, the U.S. is in a World Cup semifinal, which is awesome. And uh, so I think it's important to talk about Regardless of what the result is and kind of like how the tournament's gone and like some of the, I guess, the the media narratives about all this kind of stuff. I'm just curious about your thoughts.
1: So I am super nervous for this match that is about to start because England's also been doing very well and they have a strong team this year. Obviously, I'm 100% behind the U.S. women's national team. I think they're fantastic. I also really and this is from me, I love what they stand for. I love that they have been so unafraid to be themselves and to express their opinions and to take up space. Because I think, again, like you're saying, there are a lot of narratives going on in the media, but this is how we normalize women's football, soccer, excuse me, women's presence in the sport. It takes this kind of work to do it, especially what Megan Rapinoe is doing. I mean. Is hard. Let's face it. She's come up against a lot of criticism.
0: For sure, and I mean, she's also crushing it right now, for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's but, crushing it. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous too. I <laughs> I hope we I hope we get and we win it all. I think that would be pretty historic. But the other thing that I'm curious about that is kind of coming to my mind right now is that um, there's been some kind of rumblings in like the last year i guess basically us N- nwsl teams affiliated with uh, some of the mls teams and i think one of the things uh, one of the teams that potentially could do this is atlanta and i think also lafc what do you think about that and like do you think that would be a positive movement um in terms of women's soccer in the united states or like what are your thoughts
1: I would definitely like to see more of a partnership between MLS and the NWSL. I would like to see teams from the same city maybe sharing stadiums and also having more press for the women's teams. One of the biggest issues we have, um, and this was actually, this happened last Saturday, so there was a Washington Spirit match and a DC United match on the same night. Now the Spirit match was all the way out at the soccer plaques. And of course, DC United is at Audi Field. But when you have two matches for a men's and women's team on the same night, people have to make a choice. And of course, there's only just so much soccer we can all consume. We can't be in two places at once. And if anyone's figured out how to do that, please let me know because I need to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) But it creates a problem because, of course... You know, if you don't have a car and you can't make it out to the soccer plex and the DC United game is more convenient for you to go to, of course you're going to go to that match. You might want to support women's soccer, but it has to be more convenient. It has to be better publicized. And I definitely agree with you that some more integration between MLS and the NWSL would help. So I'm really hoping that that's a path we can take in the future. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think the other thing that, specifically in the D.C. uh, area, is that since uh, the Spirit and D.C. United are not affiliated, Mm -hmm. it kind of makes things harder. But there was a rumor, I guess, when they were creating Loudoun United that they were considering purchasing the Washington Spirit, um, which ended up not happening. But if something like that did happen, then I could definitely see them both sharing the same stadium and, and hopefully not scheduling on the same night for sure. And so maybe those kind of synergies might be incredibly useful because definitely they've been had the same games on the same nights multiple times. And uh, it's also frustrating for reporters. Like I know a lot of people who cover both. And so they kind of have to like make a choice and try to watch both at home and like not even be able to make it out to any of them. Uh, And so. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard, but I definitely see the the Atlanta and LAFC as two really big markets and really big opportunities. And especially LAFC, because Mia Hamm is a a part owner and that city is so crazy about soccer.
1: I was just going to say that, too. I know. I hope her influence really does something. I mean, she's made the statement NWSL is a top priority now. So I hope she sets the example that will be followed league wide
0: we definitely are also starting to see some like competitions around the world competition around the world and women's soccer is getting a lot stronger. And I think just like with all soccer, I think we need to double down on on our investments and make sure that we are, you know, expanding the teams, making sure that they're well marketed and they work, like you said, like not having them all on the same night. I think there was even one time where there was a, Loudon united game a dc united game and a spirit game on the same night which is just like all right well (laughs) kind of paralyzed with choice (laughs) but
1: i love all three teams and it's like there's no way you can be in that many places at once you just as a fan as a supporter you can't do it
0: yeah and it kind of like even yeah like i want to follow all the teams but like you just can't like it's just it's not feasible and so you're forced to make a decision which uh, you shouldn't necessarily have to be. Um, but yeah. And so I guess the last thing that I wanted to talk about is the U.S. men's national team who mm-hmm. are in the Gold Cup right now. Um, have you been uh, catching up with them in like the last couple of games?
1: I have been catching up a little because Paul Ariel is playing. <laughs> and I think it's great. I'm more focused right now on the Women's World Cup. My biggest frustration with the Gold Cup and the Copa America Finals is, the again, the scheduling and why the Women's World Cup Final is scheduled on the same day. Yeah, for sure. That is just kind of a point of tension. I mean, I, of course, am wishing the U.S. men's national team all the best, but I think in a World Cup year. And I'm not even going to say Women's World Cup. In a World Cup year, we need to support the national team and have focus on them and the ability to really watch that match without feeling like we're missing out on something else.
0: There's almost too much soccer this summer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It definitely feels like, yeah, like obviously when there's like a World Cup game on, like it's not like I'm going to go watch, you know, uh, like, Jamaica and, and, and Costa Rica play or whatever, you know, so, yeah, um, yeah, I've, been, I've been watching, yeah, for sure, like, I, I can't keep up, and, I, like I said, my girlfriend is Colombian, so she has the Colombian games on, and, like, the Copa America games, and I have, like, the, the World Cup and the and the Gold Cup games on, and then the DC United games, and yes. then the Loudoun games, and, and all the stuff, it's just, like, oh, my gosh, uh, it's, like,
1: anything but, soccer right now there's no way there's no time
0: there's literally something on every single night and then also like I've been trying to keep up with the African Cup of Nations which is happening right now it's just like so many things but yeah I thought I think Paul Ariel is doing an awesome job but I'm kind of I want him to come back (laughs) selfishly
1: we need him to come back desperately
0: please come back (laughs) but I
1: know Junior is back and he should be available for the july 4th match against fc dallas so my fingers are crossed
0: yeah that's another player who really makes a difference for us
1: oh my gosh i'm so glad he's coming back i know he played really well but we need him back
0: yeah i mean venezuela did pretty well there i think they're gonna kind of regret going out when they had a huge opportunity against argentina there but Yeah, he's back. And so I think that's going to make a difference there because we have been struggling in that central area a little bit. But yeah, cool. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or cover or anything like that?
1: I guess the only thing that I'd like to talk about a little, I know we had talked about the U.S. women's national team. But kind of around the World Cup, we have a lot of women's teams that people are saying, oh, you know, they're not professional, they're not doing well. But then if you actually look at the backstory of the team, either the players are all volunteer, they're getting paid minimally, they're working full-time jobs back in their home country and playing soccer as another activity. And I have to wonder, you know, is it, Are we perpetuating a cycle of keeping women's soccer down by saying these teams are so poor and then they go home, they don't get more funding and they continue to not excel because the players have to focus on work and they have to focus on other things rather than being footballers? That's just kind of a thought I've been having as we watch a lot of the narratives in the news. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but it's difficult to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this even goes back to the the first U.S. game where we uh, defeated Thailand, and, like, a lot of it was... I mean, as far as I understand, they're they're supported solely by a a private, uh, I guess, uh, uh, individual. And so while that's great, and I think I talked a little bit about this on the other episode, too, like, that's great and noble and stuff, but that's not enough, right? Like, that's just not... That's not going to get them to a place where they're, yeah, like not losing 13-0. And so we need to, yeah, the, the, those FAs and, and those countries, they pretty much got to invest at some point. I think especially after this year and that that large defeat, Um Yeah.
1: And I think with the story that kind of broke is that most of these players are actually working at their benefactor's insurance company in the off season, or even yeah. part-time during the season just to make an income so they can continue to pay their bills and live. And it's crazy to think of someone that's going to compete at a World Cup not being able to make their full-time job, their full-time salary from playing soccer. It just doesn't compute because we would never think of this with any of our men's players
0: yeah I mean I think one way to kind of make like to help I guess people empathize is like a lot of us a lot of us work obviously like imagine having to train for a world cup (laughs) alongside (laughs) your already hard and stressful job like it doesn't seem possible like I don't really know how that yeah how that's possible (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah I don't I definitely don't know if it's possible to do everything well but I give them so much credit for continuing to pursue the sport and for showing up even if the performance is not the best
0: yeah absolutely it shows like a a massive amount of dedication and like yeah again it's really awesome that that uh, I guess the benefactor yeah like helps them out and gives them jobs and stuff Uh, definitely not a sustainable solution Um, but it is good to see that there are some good people in the world uh, yes
1: I think, I think, too, though, it's a lot of us who are reporting on MLS or doing things surrounding MLS. We all have day jobs or most of us have day jobs in addition to what we're doing. So I don't know. It's our kind of the utopian dream. We can all make a living around this sport that we love so much.
0: One one of the one of the other things that I think was talked about this week was the the CBA negotiations, uh players union stuff. Mm-hmm. Have have you uh checked any of that out?
1: I have not really checked too deep into that this week at all. So I didn't I
0: I kind of don't understand all of it, but my understanding is that like they're preparing for a strike, which I think is like the only real thing that I understand <laughs> from it. And yeah. so I'm kind of like wow like that's kind of crazy like that would be yeah like uh kind of like it <laughs> never happened before and like yeah so what do you think of a potential MLS strike
1: Oof. it would definitely be interesting um I hope things can be resolved to everyone's satisfaction before that happens but it would definitely be Interesting to see. I think it's crazy to see, you know, the vast differentiation in players' salaries on the same team. I know that report came out not very long ago with everyone's salary. Did oh, you yeah. see that?
0: Yeah, I saw that one. That was really eye-opening.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly eye-opening. Um, what do you think about July 4th and the match against FC Dallas?
0: That's a good question. Well, I think the one thing is, Personally, I don't understand why this isn't in the nation's capital since it's July 4th. But beyond <laughs> yes.
1: that, <laughs> yes,
0: I think they have some uh, some really good players. I mean, Paxton Pomacol is doing really well. I've seen some incredible highlights even from the last game. Um, I think we absolutely have to kind of pull this out, considering like we are a he- we- We've played a lot of games more than even some of the other people in our division by like two or three. And we're kind of slipping in the rankings, so I, I really think we need the three points.
1: Oh, we need the three points. My concern is the weather, because we've heard Ben Olson a lot say, you know, summer soccer, everybody's not at their best. Heat, humidity, and Dallas, the humidity is looking to be pretty high this week, too. And the heat, worse than D.C., so. Oh, wow. I was checking, yeah. I asked I w- Wayne about it though, and he said, "Oh, we'll be fine." I was down there a few weeks ago. He's oh, very okay. stoic, so <laughs> I hope his confidence is contagious.
0: I feel like what we'll end up seeing is a lot of like, a lot of the times when it gets hot like this, uh, teams tend to like, kind of stay back in a low block, kind of just try to defend. I wonder if we'll see a lot of that.
1: That is usually what happens, but we really need to not draw. We need to win. This match, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, okay, taking a point when the weather is terrible and, you know, your guys are suffering, okay, but we really need those points, because as you said, we're slipping.
0: Yeah, I uh, I posted a tweet, I don't remember what day it was, but, like, after the last game where I, I, I basically went on the MLS site, uh, like MLS Soccer or whatever, and I pulled the Eastern Conference standings and I ranked it by, like, points per game instead oh, of just I absolute points. Oh, that.
1: that. was awesome.
0: Yeah, I think that gives us a better idea of, like, where we actually are versus just, like, absolute points because, like, yeah, we played three more games than a couple of other teams and, like, doesn't really matter. And so I don't remember exactly where we were, but it was not in the top three, I don't think. So, it was yeah.
1: not, yeah, the best.
0: Yeah, and, it, and NYCFC is kind of become like a silent, like really good team uh, after a really shaky start, I think. And so them and Atlanta, too, kind of slipped in form the last game or two, but had those uh, the crazy clean sheet streak and just, yeah, I don't know.
1: I think Atlanta definitely settled in with Frank DeBoer and they've been on the rise, which is frightening to see. And yeah, NYCFC as well. I know my colleague that reports on them. She was getting so frustrated. She's like, "We drew again. We lost again." But yeah, now they're climbing up the rankings, and we definitely need to watch our backs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been trying to follow uh, Atlanta a little bit just because I think the whole situation is very interesting. Like the Frank DeBoer stuff in the beginning with all like the DeBoer out stuff. I kind of I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." And then also like Pity Martinez stuff is kind of heated up the recently. Mm-hmm. Like. Frank Debora was like he's a danger to our team <laughs> I think in like a press conference which I was like wow what a, what a strategy I'm very bold I guess but yeah I'm kind of curious what'll end up happening there because I think that that's really really important for the league to see, like cuz that signing was so massive and is such a big deal for Argentina and like South America like if, in even if it's just like conceptually or visually in terms of MLS and like I really like I want to see him have success, even though it's not my team, but, like...
1: As I long think- as it's not against DC.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> bench him for that game, and then, yeah. But, like, I want to... For the league, I think it's better off in the medium to long term if he succeeds. And, and so, like, I'm hoping that he doesn't just flame out and then go back and, you know, tell Messi that MLS is awful. Like, whatever, you know? Like,
1: uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think we'll see Messi come here eventually? I hear a lot of Uh, rumblings about that. Oh, maybe we're going to see Messi in a few years.
0: I would not be shocked. I think, yeah, I I could see that in in, in Miami is where it's being rumored. And I I could definitely see that. I mean, it's Beckham, like, all those players, a lot of those Barcelona players even have, like, publicly said, like, when Beckham comes calling, you don't say no. Like, that kind (laughs) of stuff. So, like, I could definitely see Messi or or someone, like, really high-level that we've never seen before come it's just like one of those things that you like it's hard to say yeah definitely because it is such a big deal but it kind of feels like that's where the momentum is
1: what do you think about our guys especially our younger guys going to europe and then coming back do you think it's good developmentally because i think you know it's gonna elevate the league at some point
0: yeah i guess are you talking a specific case
1: I'm just saying in general, like our younger players that are starting to become known, if they go to Europe and then they return eventually, I think it will help raise the level of the league. Or even if they don't return, I think we would see younger players start to elevate their level of training, elevate their level of play, thinking, okay, this is a gateway for me to go play.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think at the moment, I think if players are coming back, and they're not out of their prime, it's kind of concerning. I think we've seen a little bit like they couldn't hack it over there maybe, but like they do have that European experience already under their belt of like how trainings are over there. So maybe, yeah, they they can elevate our guys over here a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that's most important is that, yeah, like there has to be some kind of incentive in terms of honestly, like monetarily, like if, if I'm a kid, and I'm choosing what sport to play. It's very hard to be like, oh, yeah, I want to play soccer unless I'm already in love with a game, you know. And that's just I feel like it's like the truth, like a lot of the stars in our country are not soccer stars. Right. So the more people who are finding success and doing well overseas or wherever and like can be role models, I think that that is good for the next generation.
1: Do you think we're going to lose Acosta This has like been the swirling question as we're heading toward transfers and everything else. Yeah,
0: he's gone for sure. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure he's going to be gone.
0: What makes you say that?
1: It's going to depend on DC United for sure. But he's expressed, you know, that he's excited to pursue options and he's been scouted. So I think if. That opportunity comes knocking again at the right point in time. I think he will go.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I think the fact that we haven't heard anything, and I think he can sign a pre-contract, I guess, either really, really soon or already, and, mm-hmm. and leave on a free is kind of like indication. Um, I think it's, it's, it's. I think it's unlikely that we sell him this window, because why would someone pay a transfer fee for someone they can just get for free in six months? Exactly. Um, but yeah, like he didn't sign an extension with us, so I'm pretty sure he's gone. I guess that leaves us with like, what do we do? Uh,
1: <laughs> That's yeah, I'm <laughs> a little worried.
0: The only thing that I can think right now is like, over the last couple, I guess, games and and stuff, you've seen, seen like TT come in to the middle a little bit more. Um, so I guess he would be the the natural like person to um quote unquote replace him. Mhm. I think what that could also mean is that we could see uh, Yamil Assad come back and play on the wing. Oh, and I will
1: get that jersey immediately.
0: Everyone's saying that. Why are they not listening? Like everyone is like, "I'll get the jersey." I'm like, "Me too, just sign him back."
1: Yes. You know what's interesting? Assad was liking some of those tweets. So I'm like, "Is it a sign? Just tell us. Are you coming back?"
0: Yeah, I know. But the thing is, he's been doing that for months and I'm kind of getting tired of it. I'm like, you know what? like, Are we going to see you
1: or not? Yeah, Yeah. you're messing with our heads. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, I I think I also like when um, when uh, I guess we found out that he wasn't going to be coming back because we tried to purchase him and then there was all that uh, drama or whatever. I don't know.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah drama is appropriate
0: yeah and i remember I, I told my girlfriend and she was just devastated she was like no because i think i think that's her favorite player on dc United. And i'm like Aww. yeah i could see that and she was just like so every time she's like i want aside to come back i don't want <laughs> that's all i want and so it's really funny
1: what do you and, think about stever is he is he done i don't think we're gonna see any more of him
0: uh yeah he's gone yeah <laughs> He doesn't want to be here, and that's fine. And and he, like, you know, like, he, he's not putting in the effort, and I think he kind of knows that in, in the right ways. He's not doing the defensive work that he needs to do. I think that's pretty well talked about. Um, and, yeah, I think the only thing that comes down to now is, like, who is going to be willing to pay anything at all to get his salary off our books, right?
1: Because he's getting close to a million. Which is crazy amount of money, or he yeah. was at least, yeah. Yeah,
0: like seven hundred and fifty thousand or something. Which good for him, I, I obviously, but for the team, like we need to move on. I think.
1: Yeah, I think we could bring in someone and then get a much higher work rate out of them.
0: Yeah, he's not even like yeah. He's honestly, if you have the whole team healthy, he's not even the first winger off the bench. Yeah, uh, it's Segura. And, um, so it's kind of hard to have a guy like Steber. like, it's kind of like a, a, like a luxury player, but without the luxury, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like it's, yeah. And And so,
1: yeah, the other night when he came in, you were watching, right? That match. Yeah. When he started, I feel like he started out, you know, putting work, putting effort. It wasn't necessarily the right work or the right effort. But he was putting effort in the match. And then I felt like it just kind of slowly dropped off until he was subbed out.
0: Yeah, he had, I think, like, the first, yeah, like, 10 or 15 minutes even. Like, we saw him have a really nice cross, which is kind of one of his specialties. And, yeah, he was doing okay. I think the goal that they scored, like, you can just see him just kind of, like, waltzing around the guy. Like, (laughs) hey, maybe, like, challenge him a little bit. I don't know. Like...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, if he wants to head back so he can be closer to his national team, like maybe that would be in good interest for everybody at this point. Really nice guy, really nice guy. But I definitely think we can, you know, maybe do some purchasing with that salary.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think he's like, like necessarily a bad player. Obviously, I think he has some really good qualities and stuff, but At some point like if if we're gonna play like how we play with our wingers doing that defensive work rate i think you see that in both areola and tt um very on it very willing to press and very willing to win that ball back especially Mm -hmm. tt who does that very well i think
1: he's incredible yeah
0: he's like he he has so much energy out of nowhere to just go and track these balls down but like stever is the exact opposite and so maybe in a different type of system or or something in another team that he could work well in. But, yeah, it seems like he's going to go back over to Europe somewhere.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, not everybody's the perfect fit for every team, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, that's all I have. Do you want this to – um great. Yeah, I had a really good time. I think we covered so many different things. <laughs> oh, and my gosh. I think uh, everyone's going to really enjoy this. Do you wanna uh, let people know how to find you and uh, how to find MLS female again?
1: So thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been such a blast. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that's following MLS female, following me. If you're not following and would like to get in on the conversation, you can find MLS female at MLS female on Twitter or mlsfemale.com and then you can find me at sarah Colassi on twitter so thank you again
0: yeah absolutely and uh, that's all um have a great day we're gonna see you all next game